Hello world, it's Siraj, and today we're going to use machine learning to help us understand our emotions. Our emotional intelligence distinguishes us from every other known living being on Earth. These emotions can be simple, like when you get so hype all you can hear is Gasolina by Daddy Yankee. And we've invented language to help us express them to others. But sometimes words are not enough. Like some emotions have no direct English translation. For example, in German, Einsamkeit is the feeling experienced when you're alone in the woods, connecting with nature. In Japanese, Mono no Aware is the awareness of the impermanence of all things and the gentle sadness at their passing. Emotions are hard to express, let alone understand. But that's where AI can help us. An AI could understand us better than we do, analyzing our emotional data to help us make optimal decisions for goals that we specify, like a personal life coach slash therapist slash Denzel Washington. But how would it do this? There are generally two main approaches to sentiment analysis. The first one is the lexicon-based approach. We first want to split some given text into smaller tokens, be that words, phrases, or whole sentences. This process is called tokenization. Then we count the number of times each word shows up. This resulting tally is called the bag of words model. Next, we look up the subjectivity of each word from an existing lexicon, which is a database of emotional values for words pre-recorded by researchers. And once we have those values, we could then compute the overall subjectivity of our text. The other approach uses machine learning. If we have a corpus of, say, tweets that are labeled either positive or negative, we can train a classifier on it, and then given a new tweet, it will classify it as either positive or negative. So which approach is better? Don't ask me. No, yeah, totally ask me. Well, using a lexicon is easier, but the learning approach is more accurate. There are subtleties in language that lexicons are bad at, like sarcasm. It seems to mean one thing, but it really means another. But deep neural nets can understand these subtleties because they don't analyze text at face value. They create abstract representations of what they learn. These generalizations are called vectors, and we can use them to classify data. Let's learn more about vectors by building a sentiment classifier for movie reviews, and I'll show you how to run it in the cloud. The only dependency we'll need is tflearn, and I'm using it since it's the easiest way to get started building deep neural networks. We'll import a couple of helper functions that are built into it as well, and I'll explain those when we get to them. The first step in our process is to collect our dataset. tflearn has a bunch of pre-processed datasets we can use, and we're going to use a dataset of IMDB movie ratings. We'll load it using the load data function. This will download our dataset from the web. We'll name the path where we want to save it, the extension being pickle, which means it's a byte stream. This makes it easier to convert to other Python objects like lists or tuples later. We want 10,000 words from the database, and we only want to use 10% of the data for our validation set, so we'll set the last argument to 0.1. Load data will return our movie review split into a training and testing set. We can then further split those sets into reviews and labels and set them equal to X and Y values. Training data is the portion our model learns from. Validation data is a part of the training process. While training data helps us fit our weights, validation data helps prevent overfitting by letting us tune our hyperparameters accordingly. And testing data is what our model uses to test itself by comparing its predicted labels to actual labels. So test yourself before you wreck yourself. Now that we have our data split into sets, let's do some pre-processing. We can't just feed text strings into a neural network directly. We have to vectorize our inputs. Neural nets are algorithms that essentially just apply a series of computations 
to matrices, so converting them to numerical representations, or vectors, is necessary. The pad sequences function will do that for our review text. It'll convert each review into a matrix and pad it. Padding is necessary to ensure consistency in our input's dimensionality. It will pad each sequence with a zero at the end, which we specify until it reaches the max possible sequence length, which we'll set to 100. We also want to convert our labels to vectors as well, and we can easily do that using the two categorical function. These are binary vectors with two classes, one which is positive, or zero which is negative. Yo, hold up. Vectors got me feeling like... A feed forward neural nets got me feeling so upset. Only fixed size inputs like a small number set. So I dropped it, and instead I used recurrent nets, which are made for sequences like typed up or written text. I convert my text into vectors and I feed it in. Slowly training word vectors that are embedded in. Repping words numerically, we can use generically. A one too many mapping that I bring to you lyrically, huh? We can intuitively define each layer in our network as its own line of code. First will be our input layer. This is where we feed data into our network. The only parameter we'll specify is the input's shape. The first element is the batch size, which we'll set to none, and then the length, which is 100, since we set our max sequence length to 100. Our next layer is our embedding layer. The first parameter will be the output vector we received from the previous layer. And by the way, for every layer we write, we'll be using the previous layer's outputs as its inputs. This is how data flows through a neural network. At each layer, it's transformed like a seven-layer dip of computation. We'll set dimensions to 10,000 since that's how many words we loaded from our dataset earlier, and the output dimension to 128, which is the number of dimensions of our resulting embeddings. Next, we'll feed those values to our LSTM layer. This layer allows our network to remember data from the beginning of the sequences, which will improve our prediction. We'll set dropout to 0.8, which is a technique that helps prevent overfitting by randomly turning on and off different pathways in our network. Our next layer is fully connected, which means that every neuron in the previous layer is connected to every neuron in this layer. We have a set of learned feature vectors from previous layers, and adding a fully connected layer is a computationally cheap way of learning nonlinear combinations of them. It's got two units, and it's using the softmax function as its activation function. This will take in a vector of values and squash it into a vector of output probabilities between 0 and 1, that's sum to 1. We'll use those values in our last layer, which is our regression layer. This will apply a regression operation to the input. We're going to specify an optimizer method that will minimize a given loss function, as well as the learning rate, which specifies how fast we want our network to train. The optimizer we'll use is Atom, which performs gradient descent, and categorical cross-entropy is our loss. It helps to find the difference between our predicted output and the expected output. After building our neural network, we can go ahead and initialize it using tflearn's deep neural net function. Then we can call our model's fit function, which will launch the training process for our given training and validation data. We'll also set show metric to true so we can view the log of accuracy during training. So to demo this, we're going to run this in the cloud using AWS. What we'll do is use a pre-built Amazon machine image. This AMI can be used to launch an instance, and it's got every dependency we need built in, including TensorFlow, CUDA, Lil Wayne's deposition video. If we click on the orange continue button, we can select the type of instance we want. I'll go for the smallest because I'm poor still, but ideally we'd use a larger instance with GPUs. Then we can accept the terms in one click. Next we'll go to our AWS console by clicking this button, and after a while our instance will start running. We can copy and paste the public DNS into our browser, followed by 
which is the port we specified for access. For the password, we'll use the instance ID. Now we're in our instance environment, built with our AMI, and we can play with a Jupyter Notebook hosted on AWS. We'll create a new notebook and paste our code in there. Now we can run it and it'll start training just like that. So to break it down, there are two main approaches to sentiment analysis, using a lexicon of pre-recorded sentiment or using state-of-the-art but more computationally expensive deep learning to learn generalized vector representations from words. Feed-forward nets accept fixed-size inputs like binary numbers, but recurrent neural nets help us learn from sequences of data like text. And you can use AWS with a pre-built AMI to easily train your model in the cloud without dealing with dependency issues. The coding challenge winner from last week is Ludo Buon. Ludo architected his neural net so that stacking layers was as easy as a line of code per layer. Wizard of the week. And the runner up is C. Jia Soon. He accurately modified my code to reflect multi-layer backpropagation. The coding challenge for this week is to use TFLearn to train a neural network to recognize sentiment from a video game review dataset that I'll provide. Details are in the readme, Post your GitHub link in the comments and I'll announce the winner in one week. Please click that subscribe button if you want to see more videos like this, check out this related video. And for now, I gotta figure out what the F PyTorch is. So, thanks for watching.